Welcome to the Contractor Success Forum. Today, we're discussing best practices in accounting for construction joint ventures. And we are the Contractor Success Forum, where we discuss financial strategies for running a more profitable, successful construction business. And we have Stephen Brown, Daniel Whitley Bonding and Insurance Agency. And we have Wade Carpenter, Carpenter and Company CPAs. And I'm Rob Williams with Iron Gate Entrepreneurial Support Systems. And best practices in accounting for construction joint ventures. When I heard that one, I was so excited. I've been in so many joint ventures and I haven't even thought about the best practices for the accounting. We just, we just do the lawyer and the agreement and, and we usually change the name and don't put enough thought into it. This is, this is awesome, Wade. And Steven, what about, what about you guys? Is that interesting for you guys? It is. We do joint ventures all the time. And it seems folks that like joint ventures do a lot of them. And a lot of it has to do with trust. You know, someone can do the work that you're going to partner up with. And how do you verify that trust? Well, you spell out in the joint venture agreement how the books are going to be handled and what kind of reports are going to be required to be produced and when. So uh, usually the managing joint venture partner is in charge of providing those books to the joint venture group. And the joint venture group is made up of a committee of both companies for making decisions. Yeah. And first thing, hopefully you even got something that formal. You get an expert like Wade to do that. Well, you get a lawyer also, but then on the CPA side, you get an expert like Wade. And and it's so relevant because Wade, you and I just spoke to somebody. We had somebody call us from the show and that's what we want you guys to do. And they called us asking about joint ventures. So I guess that's probably what got this on our mind for the topic. But all these things that had not even come up or entered people's minds when they go into a joint venture, they're not buying stock in a company where the SEC's got all these rules. When you're doing a joint venture, there, there are so many things you got to pay attention to. So Wade, and sorry, I, I was so excited about it, but I want to get to you, the expert at this, man. Well, I think where you were going with this, Rob, I think it's kind of like there are many different types of joint ventures and people partnering together to get construction done. You know, Stephen, I'm sure you're probably seeing the more formal ones, but I've also had a few other ones. It's kind of timely because I've had a couple of them to where they've blown up lately. Some of them have been formal agreements and others have been just partnering agreements and agreement to split profits at the end. And sometimes we see a lot of the problems. So I wanted to talk through some of the things where if you will agree up front about profit split and how we're going to, you know, what if there's losses, liabilities, I know Stephen probably would love to talk about that as well. What happens if you have warranty work? There's a lot of different issues. And the one point I want to make about today is being clear up front about what that is. That's right. Who's going to do what? And, you know, think about it. You see these movie stars owning percentages of movies with these MGM and these big production companies. And how do they know they're accurately getting that percentage when they partner up with the big movie company? Well, you see them sue them all the time because they have all these creative accounting practices and everything. And in a joint venture, you come together as a team. If it works great, you do more of them. You take the strength of, of someone else and you go after a project that's perfect for the both of you. And part of that is, you know, just clear communication up front. Who's doing what? I've got maybe 60 different joint venture agreements, depending on whatever you want to accomplish. Everything from 
lending equipment to SBA joint venture, to anything. And this joint venture is key, this agreement to getting the bonding, if this is a bonded job, that's for sure. And Wade, you were saying there's a lot of informal joint ventures going on, and they may or may not have some kind of agreement in place. Yeah, the big guys a lot of times will be a dominant partner or whatever that controls everything, but there are plenty of situations where, you know, somebody's got some expertise and they need the other expertise or they need the bonding capacity, but sometimes putting all the pieces together is tough. And if one person controls the whole ship, one way or another, a lot of times they end up with hurt feelings. Somebody didn't get their profit split right, or somebody didn't do something they should have done. And that's why I'm you know, wanted to talk about this today. Sure. And on top of that, you're joint and severally liable for actions caused by your joint venture. So making sure both your insurance are naming that joint venture as an additional insured or getting a separate insurance policy for that joint venture. And then on top of that, from the joint venture standpoint, being joint and severally liable, which is in most of these joint venture agreements, means that together as a team, you are liable to see that construction project finished and you're liable for dealing with design issues or any risk issues, under insurance issues that the joint venture didn't have, you've got to work that out together just as if it was your project. So the better you have your agreement in place beforehand, the smoother it goes. To back up on that a little bit, I just finished one that I was helping out in different state, a concrete contractor, little guy that took on this multi-million dollar project that did not have the expertise and they got the contract and then, oh crap, we got to figure mm -hmm. out how to do this. <laughs> and so one of my clients kind of stepped up and said, I'll jump in and do this. But, you know, the contract was in the original company's name. Mm -hmm. So that became an issue with how are we going to do this and took some jumping through a couple of hoops. So that's one of the other points I'd like to make for today is if you're bidding a job together or we see it all the time when people bid a job out of state, it's kind of a different issue, but we bid a job out of state and then we figure out how to go get the license in that state or what's involved in it. Look before you leave. That's that's my only point. So, so if you're bidding it together, then what? Figure out whose name you need to bid it in or? Well, so if you're actually looking to do a formal partnership agreement, which I always recommend definitely talk about that stuff ahead of time. Don't just go get the job and then just informally say, we're going to do this. Cause yeah, decide these things beforehand, and, you know, and a lot of times a, a joint venture agreement is we're going to do this for the one project and we're done. So a lot of times we bid a job and we say, we're going to form a, an agreement. Well, but then we have to get the job and we don't want to set up a separate joint venture for a job we're not going to get. So it's like catch 22. Then we scramble to get. Yeah. And we don't want to do all that extra work if we don't get it. And then we're like, oh, we'll just do it then. I guess if people do that a lot, maybe you've got a standard template, at least with bullet points. I remember dad gave me that lesson. He's like, do not go to the lawyer's office until you have your points bullet pointed because it's going to cost you a lot more. He said, get these things in a bullet point before you go and then they can write it up you'll spend 80 90 percent of your time just talking about all these well, the great thing about joint venture Absolutely. is and either partner has something that you need you can work that out but generally you spell out in that particular layer joint venture you can do it a per job or an open joint venture basis if you do an open joint venture agreement and you have a master 
joint venture agreement, then you're going to have a separate agreement for each job that spells out exactly what each party's going to do or they can contribute. One party might provide the oversight and management, and the other party may pretty much act as a sub just doing their specific part of the project as if they were subbing it to the other party. But what makes sense for doing the joint venture is that it allows you to take on bigger projects that you normally uh, wouldn't take on by yourself. And it also helps you negotiate a better price for that job and have a better chance of getting awarded that job because you're taking two different sets of uh, estimators, putting their brains together and both their resources, say, what can we do to get this job? So these joint venture partners are usually specialists in different things. That was my point of today is talking about the best practices from the standpoint of when you do have a separate entity. And the first point I want to make on that is if you got a separate entity, treat it like a separate entity. They should be billing the job. They should be incurring the costs. You should get the payables in the joint venture name. Uh And I know sometimes that gets a little hairy because maybe one sub has the supplier relationship and sometimes that's not possible, but to the extent possible, you want to have everything flow through the joint venture, the separate entity and not let's, you know, we pay for the expenses and then we get reimbursed. Then we get into how much documentation, how fast are we going to get it in there? Those kind of issues where it becomes and they a mess. Form LLC, yeah, and or C Corp for the joint venture. Yeah, I am kind of curious what messes that creates. Well, I know we recently did one on the one man band contractors, and this one up in North Carolina that I was talking about just a minute ago with the concrete, but he didn't have the formal accounting in place. That was another drawback of the thing. He didn't have the accounting in place, so he was not used to turning in the documentation. And so everything got delayed and bonding companies want to know that they want to get their information timely. But if you can't get the joint venture, the main PC, all the parties are going to be held up while we're waiting on joint venture books to get done because somebody doesn't do what they're supposed to do. Well, the last thing you want is your side of the joint venture to not be a good experience for your joint venture or partner. That's the last thing you want. Yeah, because typically... In our joint ventures, one of our companies would be like the subcontractor, and then we would pay them out of that, but we would receive, and we always had a company that would pay you know, out of that, but then we seemed to sub most of the work out to the contracting company that was still doing things in their name. That's kind of confusing. So that can cause some problems then, I guess, and it maybe it caused some problems in my past too that I'm not aware of somebody had to well your dad was right rob have your points together before you go see a lawyer about doing anything don't just go sit around with the lawyer and free form and throw ideas around tell them exactly what you want to do and what you want to accomplish and they'll have the right joint venture agreement for you and uh, talk to your bonding agent they can help as well and If you're setting up the joint venture, Wade, how do you set up those books and who handles the bookkeeping part of the joint venture? Well, that's where a lot of times we we come in. Sometimes you have one dominant partner and one smaller partner. Somebody is going to get their feelings hurt if we don't have things spelled out. So sometimes they want a neutral third party to do the books. But also maybe even that dominant partner doesn't have the accounting staff to essentially run a different company. 
So a lot of times it's good to outsource that stuff, but you know, when you do, then, well, how are we splitting draws? One party may need some cash and one can't draw the cash out and then we be struggling to pay bills. That's a great point. There's also typically one of the partners going to throw in some money to begin with uh, to get things rolling and they should have the option to get paid back first. Is there interest on that? What happens if they don't get paid back? There's a lot of questions around that and there should be some expectations that are set as to who gets their money back when. You you love this, Rob, as a profit first guy. Got to set up a different bank account for your joint venture. You know? Yeah, then are we going to set up all the bank accounts? Well, in a joint venture, you you have to set up a different bank account, and that's how you fund it and keep track. And then if you're outsourcing the accounting work, say, to Wade, Wade would provide a year-end financial statement if it's a long-running project but they provide quarterly reports because uh, the managing joint venturer has to keep track of the job costs and it's their job to make sure that the paper's flowing properly. I've done so many of these that it's, you know, you see these problems all the time. And right now I've got one that, you know, they're fighting over the profit split because it was just said, well, okay, we're going to split it 60, 40, 50, 50, whatever it is. But one of them didn't turn in all the documentation. One of them did more work than the other you know, one. Right. Or they didn't document. In one case I, I'm talking about, it's pretty obvious that somebody's kind of been padding their bills, but they don't have any backup for it. So that was the other piece of this is that you have to agree on the documentation and the timeliness of how bills are going to be done, how fast accounting is going to be done. And you know, you should be getting regular reports on these things because just like any other construction project, you need a P&L and a balance sheet on this separate joint venture. And I don't mean to keep going on, but... No, I want you to keep going on. This is great. We already kind of alluded to, it, I think Stephen said it, but the profits and loss splits, just because someone puts more money in or one's bigger or whatever, profit does not have to be split a, a certain way. And losses don't necessarily have to be split the same way that profits are. If there's liabilities at the end, there are typically what Stephen was talking about, jointly and severally liable. But a lot of times there are clauses in the joint venture agreement that talks about what happens if we're upside down. Yeah, you lose money, does you still split it evenly? It depends on the agreement. And and a lot of times there are limited partnerships. That's why they're called limited partnerships. I don't know for the bonding, Stephen, y'all may have different requirements, but most of mine have not been bonded. So we had different agreements and usually we had the liability separated and it'd be good if you can have the banks agree to have the loans separated, the percents, but they, they don't usually want to do that. <laughs> they usually want everybody on the hook for everything. Both partners are responsible for seeing that the project's completed, whether it makes money or loses money, just like any other construction project. Yeah. Well, that may be on the bonding thing. I was talking oh, about yeah. loans and stuff. Oh, or yeah, liability. Yeah. What what happens if they come after you? That's a That's great right. point. Got another one that I was just thinking about from last year that was a jail job and things were botched on it and they're upside down and people are suing people over these things. And you want to believe a lot of times you bring a joint venture together to get expertise and 
it probably does increase your chances of success partnering with the right person, but losses do happen. Right, and there's a dispute mediation clause in most of these joint venture agreements. I was just reading one while we were talking, and it was saying, basically, if you can't get it resolved in person, then you would uh, choose a mediator that you both agree upon. And uh, this doesn't have to go through the court systems. It could if it was really ugly, if nobody agreed to a mediator. But that's the whole reason you have a dispute resolution in your joint venture agreement. To work it out without going to court, it's always going to cost you more. It's kind of interesting you say that, Stephen. In this economy, things have been booming. My floor in my building is just filled up with lawyers, and a mediator just moved in across the hall. And these guys are just constantly, man, they're people in and out of here constantly now. Yeah, call Rob. He'll find you someone right there. I don't I don't think I want him on this floor. <laughs> makes me a little nervous anything about <laughs> controlling risk you want to control your books first of all some parties got to do the billing that's usually the managing joint venture and then the managing joint venture has is in charge of all the tax keeping they're in charge of actually shutting down the joint venture if you formed a legal entity yeah well you're saying that i don't know if that's always true though it's, it's not true. but yeah, in this true. situation it spells out who's in charge of what. And you get paid for that. If you're going to be the managing joint venture, you get paid for that. Well, it's interesting yeah. you say that. We're, we're almost never paid for those. You're saying you should get paid. I think all those were things, let's put should in front of Stephen because we're out there throwing these a, things together. Yeah. We almost never it's put that crazy together. Amount. It's just spelled out in the, in the joint venture agreement of exactly how, how much you're going to get paid for doing that work. Yeah, we didn't use your lawyer, <laughs> so we should have used your lawyer. Okay, my bad, yeah. my bad. So some of these joint yeah. ventures can be ugly, and some of them can be ugly. Some of them can be wonderful. We've been extolling the things that people like about joint ventures. It may not be a good fit to do a joint venture, but from my standpoint as a bonding agent, it really quadruples your bonding capacity. Because you've got a partner sharing in the risk. Yeah, this is kind of interesting. So go back and listen to this episode. And what Stephen is saying is the way you should do it. <laughs> and that's the bonding thing. And so the company won't bond you like, unless you do it that way. Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. and I guess the reason is most of our jobs weren't bonded. Either. Yeah, I think probably the ones that are bonded, they probably do it a little better than the next guy. But I was going to bring up things like you wouldn't think you would have to worry about borrowing money in the the joint venture name or buying equipment. But I had one where a joint venture partner went and borrowed money. In the name um, of the joint venture? In the name of the joint venture. And they had the right to do it. And obviously that came up with hurt feelings. Had another one in the last two years. They were buying equipment with the reasoning that, hey, it's cheaper to then renting it for the life of this project. But who keeps it at the end? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's come up a bunch of times for me. Yeah. yeah. I think hurt feelings is a um, great way to describe it, Wade. It's the beginning of every time bomb. Hurt feelings. And again, I, I don't mean to point because joint ventures can be a great thing, but I'm not trying to point out all the negatives here. But, you know, we have other issues like when I was going back to who pays for the payables and stuff like that. I've had situations where the joint venture pays the contractor that paid the payables or they, yeah. they were given money to 
cover paying the payable. But that contractor <laughs> took that money and paid his personal bills with it or the company's bills with it. And we ended up with liens at the end and the other partner didn't know it. So again, I know I'm probably sounding negative, but no, you're sounding I, reality. I see the two pictures of you as I'm doing this and Wade's the little, the bad devil of all the bad things. And, and well, Stephen's the got the bonded stuff of ideally how you should do it. <laughs> and Wade's the real world over there. Any contractors can contact our form and Rob, you'll tell about that a little bit later. Ask us questions or yeah. just call BS on us. Hey guys, y'all miss this. You miss that. We're just throwing out ideas from our perspective. And when they're ugly, they're ugly. And when they're good, they're good. But the whole key to not making them ugly is clear communication. And in my opinion, a good agreement. They're not hard to do. They're template forms. There's so many of them for exactly what you want to accomplish. Guys, if you want to do a joint venture, contact me. I'll find a form for you. Actually, I did. That's true, Stephen. Going through the bonding process forced me to be so much more organized. I couldn't take shortcuts and just say, we'll do well, it later. So, But back to Wade, I want to get the rest of your points. <laughs> well, I, I don't know that we have a lot of time left, but I think we hit a lot of the, the big points. Going back to what Stephen said, yeah, there are templates out there, but I'm going to say you shouldn't always use the template. A lot of times you'll take a template from one place, but Oh yeah. Read it. Make sure you read well, it. Get some professional advice on that. One situation, one template may not be the same. I could tell you many stories about like crossing state lines. Maybe you got a template that <laughs> yeah. works in Tennessee, but you know, Mississippi. They're, they're might just generic ways. And it's a good starting point. <laughs> There's a lot of good things in that. Yeah. But even if you got a formal agreement, exactly what Steven said, be clear. Even if you're doing it informal, have have a written one pager, or even if it's one page, some kind of like agreement. Again, don't be afraid to get professional help. And I know this sounds self-serving, but you know the accounting is very critical. And don't be afraid to get professional help from a lawyer or an accountant on these things. So I guess that's my wrap-up point. Those so. are the best yeah. practices for accounting for joint ventures. That's for sure. Yeah, maybe we can write something in the show notes. We could have a little list of the best practices for accounting construction. And to quote your dad, Rob, put your points together or what you want to talk to your lawyer about. Because that meter's running like a taxi. A lot of people don't remember what taxis are anymore. (laughs) But uh, like an Uber, the meter is running when you're talking. You can talk about the weather or anything, and they're your best friend. But that meter's running. So put your bullet points together. Go in there, get a good joint venture agreement put together so you don't get your feelings hurt, right, Wade? Absolutely. I think you said it best. Your dad. Your dad did. That's great. I have a relative that's a lawyer that I was trying to get a client in there, and I said, no, he really doesn't want to pay much. How can we do that? And he said, well, talk through all the points with him before you go because 90-something percent of my bill, is what he was telling me, is talking and explaining the points to write up the document i just give it to my assistant and take these points that's like less than 10 percent of my bill 90 percent is explaining what we're doing and asking questions to figure out what they're going to put in the document 
writing the document up is is like a whole decimal point <laughs> you know all right on the contractor success form we're just having too much fun here talking about joint ventures it's always fun at the contractor success forum so go to the show notes look at them and uh listen and to you contact us if you want to talk oh yeah contact us if you want to talk all right see you. bye